Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. We letting this shit run today. We letting this run today. It's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 51. I'm giving nothing but energy. Shout out Brooklyn. Shout out Brooklyn. Rest in peace, Pop. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 51 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I am your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. DeBron James. And we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaging with me on social media platforms. I truly, 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 truly appreciate all the love and all of the support. Thank you to all the essential workers out there. And thank you to all the people out here who are continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way. We always, 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 always have to start the shows with thank yous because the thank yous are very, very, very important. And we are going to have a great show today, a great, great, great show today, fully, fully packed. I am in an amazing mood, a tremendous mood. I am so excited to pod today and I am ready. So let's Go. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was a great, great, great song by a a young legend. It is called Invincible by Pop Smoke off of the album Meet the Woo 2. And shout out to Pop Smoke, man. Rest in peace. Rest in power to that young king, man. He was really going to have like... He was really going to have the world in the palm of his hands. Like, and that's not no New York bias. That's not no, you know, over uh, over praising him because he passed too soon. That's like real shit. Like this guy was going to have the whole world in his hands, bro. He's so talented. So magnetiz- magnetizing, I guess that's the word. Like 
he had that energy that just made people want to be around him and support him and stuff. And he gone way too soon, man. Rest in peace to the legend, Pop Smoke. Gone but not forgotten. I saw a commercial on television. There's a movie that's going to come out called, uh, what's the name of that movie? Boogie, I think. It's about, it's directed by Eddie Huang. And it's, um, it's about a young kid, a young Asian male, maybe high school age, who wants to play basketball. He's like, he has a dream of playing basketball. And I seen the commercial, I'm watching it, and I see Pop Smoke is in the in the motherfucking movie too. And I'm like, man, this guy was really about to take the fuck off like like a rocket into outer space. And it's such a tragedy that we lost him so soon. Rest in peace. Prayers, love, and condolences again to family, friends, and loved ones. And we truly lost a young great. I will say that. We truly lost a young great. And um Man, I just all I can say is rest in peace and thank you for your service and the time that you had on this planet. We appreciate what you have given to the culture and the short time that you had that we had you here. And uh, just shout out again to Pop Smoke. Now it's time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast. It is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is the segment I like to do at the beginning of each show, just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx Fact for today is... The Van Cortland House Museum, located at 6036 Broadway, is the oldest building in the borough of the Bronx in New York City. It is located in the southwestern portion of Van Cortland Park. The museum strives to be a vital member of the Bronx cultural community and the larger region by preserving, researching, and interpreting the house and its historical collection for a wide audience with the purpose of growing meaningful connections between the past and the present. The museum's research and interpretation focuses on the Van Cortland family, the social history of those who worked and lived on the property, the study of the decorative arts, and the impact of the American colonial revival. For more information or to see how you can visit the house, you can visit the website VC hm.org and that is your bronx fact for episode number 51 damn son where'd you find this all right so we're getting right to the shits today our top topic this week has to deal with one of my favorite subjects to cover Caucasity. But what you do 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 do. Here we go. So what Caucasity story are you going to bring to me this week, Denzel? Well, I will tell you, audience. This week, our Caucasity story has to deal with sneakers. Sneakers. They even infiltrated their way into that. Okay. The headline for this story reads: Nike VP resigns after family tie to sneaker reseller was uncovered. Ann Hebert, or Herbert, I don't, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, a Nike employee of 25 years who most recently served as a VP overseeing its North America business, 
left the company on Monday, according to an internal email viewed by Complex Magazine. Anne Hebert, VP slash GM, North America Geography, has decided to step down from Nike, effective immediately, the email reads. We thank Anne for her more than 25 years with Nike and wish her well. Nike also put out a press release this afternoon publicly announcing the end of her tenure and confirmed the move in a statement to Complex. Quote, Anne Hebert has made the decision to design from Nike, end quote, the brand said. Hebert's leaving from Nike comes days after the publication of a Bloomberg piece, which focused on her son, a 19-year-old sneaker reseller named Joe. The piece mentions a credit card Joe used for his reselling business, West Coast Streetwear, that was registered in Anne's name. The reseller insisted to the story's author that his personal connection to a Nike executive not be written about in the piece and cut off communication after it was brought up. Joe Hebert and son reached via a third party did not respond to a request for comment on this story. Nike does not permit its employees to participate in sneaker reselling and the practice of buying shoes at the retail place at the retail price only to sell them at a higher price is still taboo to many collectors. A Nike spokesperson told Bloomberg that Anne disclosed the information about the business to her employer in 2018 and that there was no, quote, violation of the company policy. <clears throat> the Bloomberg story sparked outrage online, where commenters questioned whether the younger Herbert or Hebert was gaining unfair access to limited edition sneakers with the help of his mother. Some brought up the six pairs of rare Nike Air Mags, which sell for over $12,000 each, that he said that he randomly discovered in a storage unit in January of 2020 speculating that they were not obtained through a storage unit fine, but more nefarious means. One source claims that Joe would buy pairs in large quantities from Nike outlets using his mother's discount and resell them later. Anne Hebert's purview at Nike included its sneakers app, a destination for coveted products where shoes regularly sell out immediately, only to be resold on secondary markets. The brand spends a good amount of energy and money trying to protect the platform from bots that can help resellers buy out stock faster than any human. Bloomberg's piece on Joe Hebert's business describes him as using bots to compromise online launches, mentioning that he rang up $132,000 in one morning for a launch of Kanye West sneakers on the artist's Yeezy Supply website. The same card, a corporate American Express card, was registered in his mother's name. Now, let's talk about the sneaker culture. Denzel is a big fan of sneakers. I love sneakers. I love my sneakers. I have right now maybe let's say 33 pair, but it was a time where I had over 50 pair in the closet. And, you know, the culture is wide open, meaning like it used to be back in the day, only a certain amount of people were really heavy into the grails and the limited edition sneakers. But the culture has changed now comes to the Internet where sneakers are more mainstream to where you could used to be able to go to a local footlocker and get a Jordan, you know, get a three, get a four, get a five. When they came out, you could just go get it or the website. You could just order it. It wasn't really a hassle unless it was like some real deal shit. Nowadays, regular sneaker drops become, 
no, let me re- let me rephrase. Nowadays, it the sneaker brand or businesses have made every drop of their sneaker to be like a grail drop, right? A grail is just a coveted, highly coveted shoe. So for example, a regular Jordan 4, right? They'll make it like it's a limited shoe. You won't be able to get it again or something like that to drive up interest and to drive up, you know, uh, people who want it to drive up the demand. And, you know, I can't say that there's anything wrong with that. I can't say that there's anything that I disagree with that. Like, you know, I can't say because I like sneakers that no one else should be able to, you know, like sneakers in. I'm only on here complaining because I can't get all the pairs that I want. I'm not saying that. The culture is open. It's for everyone. If you like Nikes, if you like Adidas, if you like Reebok, if you like Vans, if you like, you know, New Balance, Asics, whatever your taste is, and you want to go buy a pair, buy a pair. You know, who the fuck am I to say what you can and cannot buy? But the way that the culture has changed, it just has made it so hard to cop. The sneakers app, in my opinion, the Nike sneakers app is a disaster. It's a disaster. And as much as the the companies say that they don't like bots, they don't support bots, bots are basically just computer programs designed to order things very quickly. Um, as much as they say that, they don't give a fuck. If the money is green, then they don't care. The sneaker company, let me tell you, that statement, we don't support bots, we spend our money to try to eliminate bots, is straight up bullshit. It's patent bullshit. The money is green. If you got a bot, and it's green money, it's not fake money, it's not, you know, BS or stolen money, the sneaker companies absolutely do not care. They do not care. The money is green. They're going to take that money. So any statement you see about bots and how companies don't dislike bots is a lie. It's a straight up lie. As long as the money is green, they're going to keep allowing bots to be used on the site. Anyway, the culture is like so open that, you know, everyone has access to it and sneakers are real deal shit. You know, there are people who will make real money just selling sneakers. And if you out here chasing the bag in any way, I am mad at you. Like there are local guys that I know, local people, you know, from the Bronx or from New York who buy shoes and flip them. It's a business. It's it's making money. I ain't going to be mad at you. If Flight Club could do it, why can't a regular person do it, right? But in this particular story, this is how the caucasity comes in. This guy, Joe, Joe Hebert, the son of a Nike executive, literally is using his nepotism to get priority on shoes. And his mother is basically bankrolling the business. So what's the issue there? The issue is that is collusion. A family member of of, of Nike or sneaker company cannot participate in the reselling business. That's against company guidelines because... In theory, if you're a high up a Nike executive, you could you have access to any Nike product. That's part one of the perks of being an, an executive at any company. You have priority access to the product. Now, that means you get a really good discount. That also means you can help people get employed. That also means you can have access to limited drops or limited releases or limited gear. That's one of the perks of becoming an executive at a pro- high profile business. So this woman, Anne, gave, will give her son access to her credit card. Obviously, she had deep pockets. She makes good money. And he would then go to Nike factory outlets, go to the Nike corporation offices or the Nike factory offices and buy 
all these priceless shoes and sell them at a, a in crazy markup. So, for example, a Jordan 1 comes out, Jordan's retail, Jordan 1's retail, $160. That's the retail price. But a reseller obviously wants to make a profit. So a reseller will buy a Jordan 1, let's just say a bread, right, which is a very popular Jordan 1. At $160, but they will sell it at upwards of $600. They want to make an increased profit. And they do, and they can price it that way because the demand for the shoe is so high. So this guy, Joe, make is has a million dollar business. And there's pictures on his Instagram if you want to check it out. He's posing in front of a mountain of boxes or a fence full of boxes, sleeping in a pile of shoes and all that shit. And he is attaining these shoes under, you know, bullshit ways. That I mean, that's that's the key. I can't say anything about reselling because that's the game. And if you if you want a pair of nice shoes, you ain't getting it on a regular drop. You the sneakers app is bullshit. It does not work. Um, the regular shoe websites, Foot Locker Champs, and all that shit, you can't hit on there. If you want to go to a store and cop, you're gonna have to wait overnight in a camp out in a line which who the fuck is doing that it's motherfucking march and the only way for you to cop is for you to get cracked over the head on resale so reselling is a part of the game the last pair of shoes i bought i had to buy them resale and it's just like whatever but the way that he went about his business is what the issue is and that's why it's called cassidy he he had to connect and his mom and he then created a million dollar business literally buying shoes on discount because of his mother's connection on her credit card and selling them for exorbitant prices so for example he buys a jordan one for 160 dollars the normal reseller sells them for between 350 600 the most he would sell them on his site for 700 800 sometimes 900 depending on the shoe and of course turn an amazing profit but Instead of that 160 retail, remember, because he has the discount, he could get that shoe for $80. He could get a Jordan 1, coveted Jordan 1, for 80 bucks and sell it for $700. Now, you do the math on that. That's a $620 profit off one shoe. And if he has a whole business that has been in business for, let's say, a number of years, that boy has made over a million dollars. And that's like crazy to me. That's crazy to me. That is so crazy to me, but that's called Cassidy. That is called Cassidy. They take the the resources that they've been given. That young man has never worked for anything in his life. I guarantee it. If your mama, a Nike executive, shit, I wouldn't want to work either. That young white boy has never worked for anything in his life, and now he's taking advantage of a culture that he probably doesn't even really understand. He just knows that motherfuckers like sneakers. He don't even understand the sneaker culture. And he's gaining off of it unfairly. Now, I'm so happy for this piece, this Bloomberg piece that came out and, and exposed him and his mama, Anne, because maybe that'll get his business shut down or it will. people will pay attention to that and stop patronizing his product. And then if that happens, if they stop patronizing this product, obviously the prices have to go down so he can get rid of his inventory. If, this, if the public pressure from this forces this guy to stop selling his shoes at exorbitant prices, great. I'll pay you a little bit over retail for a resale shoe if it's a nice shoe. 
but I ain't going to pay you the prices that you got. And you lost all the leverage now. Niggas know your shit is dirty. Niggas know you got your shit under bullshit circumstances. So now it's like, all right, boom, now we on the same playing field. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this live on air. I'm going to visit his website. His website is called West Coast Streetwear. So I clicked the link from the complex article. I read it. Um, I'm going to go. I'm gonna, it took me to his Instagram. And now I'm going to visit his page. Okay. Now, look, this is crazy. I'm so glad I did this. The website is shut down. We'll be right back. Sign up for our newsletter to get promos and discounts. So the pressure from the public worked. That is what I'm talking about. That is what I like to see. Because it's bullshit. It's just bullshit. It's bullshit. Like the pictures, I'm I'm looking at the pictures on his Instagram page. It's bullshit. He's posing with all these shoes. He's getting all this access to gear. He's got trucks pulling up with his shoes in it and different types of rare, rare shit. Like he got good shit on here. And he got them all under bullshit circumstances. He's got them all under nefarious means, which is, is, is so trash, bro. It's so trash in my opinion. It's so trash. So I'm so glad that he got his shit aired out. I'm so glad that motherfuckers that wrote that story on him and exposed him for what he was doing and his mama. And that is this is another Caucasity story. Caucasity takes many forms, many different shapes and sizes from Kellyanne Conway leaking out nudes of her daughter to Jeffrey Tubin whacking it on a Zoom call. <laughs> to uh, Jessica Krug, the white college professor who was pretending to be black, to her OG, Rachel Dolezal, and now to this, a fucking bullshit bratty-ass kid raping uh, the get the market on resale prices. And that's Caucasity. That is Caucasity. So that is just one of the many Caucasity stories that come out. And again, there will be many, many more. And you better believe that the Bronx Buyers Podcast will be on the scene to report on all the Caucasity stories for the future. Because I guarantee you, it's probably a new Caucasity story happening right now. And it'll come out soon. So that is just another another example, another case in the Caucasity Chronicles. Shout out to the bullshit scammers, Ann and Joe Hebert. It's no secret that I get disgusted by a lot of things. I'm very disgusted, to be quite honest with you. I'm just so disgusted. I can't tell you how disgusted I am. I'm disgusted with him right now. I'm so disgusted. I'm disgusted with it. I'm so disgusted. I'm so damn disgusted. I'm just disgusted. Oh, I'm just, I'm just trying to be cool. Moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is Rogers Neighborhood, R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-G-H-B-R-H-D. There are no vowels in Neighborhood on Twitter. And I'm saying this and repeating it for the one millionth time because I ask you guys weekly to send in comments, questions, concerns, feedback, constructive criticism, whatever you have for me. And you guys are the best. You send in love, you send in questions, you send in comments, and I truly, truly appreciate it. So we are going to answer some of the questions that we have received here. The first one says, what are some of your 2021 
goals? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I, I, I got a lot of goals, man. I got a lot of, a lot of aspirations, a lot of things to, to, to strive for. Um, I would say that one of my biggest goals is to get my merchandise popping, to get it, get it out, you know, get products out, you know, t-shirts, hats, masks, uh, you know, little tote bags, um, hoodies, you know, maybe sweatpants, even some socks, you know, little buttons and pins and all shit like that. Laptop stickers. That's one of my biggest goals to get my merchandise popping. I also want to collab with more people, um, like, you know, local or maybe non-national people. You know, obviously, I, I would love to have more people on from the Bronx who do things, you know, who start businesses or who have podcasts or who are, you know, photographers or videographers or even musical artists. Um, and uh, what else? And I would love, love, love to do a live show. That is something that I want to do so badly a live show, like go to a venue, a local space, maybe the Bronx, even like maybe on a college campus or something and just do a live show, you know, have my, you know, have a screen in the background and come out on the stage and, you know, have my little, my microphone and my computer and do my show live. I, I, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. And also, um, you know, just improve on all the things that, that you do that I did last year you know I was really it was really important to me to do business the right way it was really important to me to make sure that I had all the things secure and and all the things till I can operate functionally in business and I just want to improve on those things I don't want to take shortcuts I don't want to take you know be lazy and not really give my best effort to things that I want to put my mind to if I want to put my mind to it and it's something that I'm passionate about I owe it to myself to go for it fully. You know, I'm not doing anyone else a disservice but myself if I don't fully attack the things that I want to accomplish. And, you know, that's that's something that I, I keep it. I keep in the goals. Just when you want to do something or when you when I have the, the idea for something, fully go for it. That's that's what I and that's what's gotten me here. You know, 51 episodes. When you want when I wanted to do this podcast, I didn't want to half ass it. I didn't want to, you know, um, BS it. I wanted to take it seriously. I wanted to do it the right way. And um, I've seen what it can bring. You know, I've seen the happiness that I've gotten from it. So that's always part of my goals to, you know, um, just do shit the right way. Do shit with full intent, you know, um, and follow through. So, yeah, those are my goals for the year. Get my merch popping, more collaborations with local or national people, um, a live show. And just keep on, keep attacking my shit. Like, you know, like keep being hungry. That's what I should say. You got to stay hungry, stay hungry. And, um, you know, that'll, that'll make you successful. The hunger, the drive and the determination. So thank you for that question. The next question that I have here says, do you think that you will ever run out of Bronx facts? Man, wow. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't think about that until you just said that. Do I think I'll ever run out of Bronx facts? It's certainly possible. Um, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Um, wow, I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> um, but the facts, I mean, the facts really aren't just about, you know, buildings or historical things. or It's like I try to make it all encompassing. I try to make it like, 
here's an awesome person who's from the Bronx. Who here's a obviously it may be a landmark or something that people don't know about. But also here's organizations. Here are you know not uh, nonprofits or here are you know you know things that coalitions that people have started in the Bronx. It's not necessarily just factual information like the word fact like it's not just like okay this building was built in this year in the bronx this is what the building is for it's like i try to make it like okay this person is from the bronx who did this thing who did this great thing this organization started in the bronx this coalition started in the bronx uh, in addition to these landmarks are from the bronx or the history of things in the bronx so you know, I try to make it that way so I don't run out of things. You know, there's only a certain amount of famous buildings here or bridges or shit, some shit like that. So um, I like I like that I added that caveat to it. So it would be a little more difficult to run out of facts because there's just you could just look up famous people from the Bronx. And if it's a person, they're like, oh, shit, this person's from the Bronx. Word. OK, well, let's get a little career synopsis on them. What do they do? How do they impact? society and shit or what's a great non-for-profit business what do they do how do they help people you know shit like that so i hope not that to really answer your question i hope not i really hope i don't because that would be terrible <laughs> and i have to find my another favorite segment to do but um i just try to make it like i just try to make it like i can have more than one thing to pull from for the bronx fact so that hopefully that answers your question and the last question that i have here for you guys today says what is in your opinion the best hip-hop beat ever made okay 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 so the greatest hip-hop beat ever fucking made was made by one of the greatest producers ever one of the most talented people in music ever to walk this earth it is by the neptunes pharrell williams and chad hugo and it is the grinding beat okay the motherfucking grinding beat by the clips off of their album lord willing it is the best hip-hop beat ever and there's a lot of young people out here i was talking to somebody i can't even remember who i was talking to and i was like did you guys used to, it was a person that was younger than me, and I was like, did, in school, did you guys used to, like, bang on the desk and do hip-hop beats? And they're like, no, we used to be, a, we just bring our phones into school. And I'm like, what? Like, when grinding came out, every kid would bang on the desk and do the grinding beat. Every single kid. Like, grinding is when you hear it, like, it's just like, yo, this is some real deal shit. Like, it's just... The beat is so crazy. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? Fuck that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play you a piece of the grinding beat just so you guys can hear it. Because I know there's a lot of young people out there who probably have never even heard of the clips, which is just Pusha T and his brother, No Malice, from Virginia. But let me play you. Let me just play you a little piece of this grinding beat. Let me just play you a piece. Yo, this is like my fucking childhood right here, yo. This shit make me feel like I'm right in middle school again. Banging on the motherfucking desk at lunch. Like, uh, uh, I still could, I could taste the, I could taste the square pizza right now. Yo, this is really my shit. Like, shout out to fucking Pharrell. Shout out to Chad. Like, shout out to Virginia. Shout out to the Clips. This is really like the hardest beat ever. This is like the hardest hip hop beat ever. 
Uh, damn. This shit make me want to rap. Like, <laughs> this shit make me want to spit something. Like, yo. Uh, uh, yo. Uh, check it. Yo. I do a podcast called The Bronx Bias. I'm Denzel in the street, but while I'm recording, I'm your highness. Uh, yo. Uh, yo. Uh, I'm the flyest, and you the driest. And call me age wine, cause I'm the finest. Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it off. Bars, nigga. Bars for your fucking head top. Oh shit, yo, bars, nigga, get at me. Hove, sign me. You feel me, Rock Nation? What's good? I got bars for you. Fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> those bars are so trash. <laughs> those bars are so trash. Anyway, yeah, but that is the answer. Like, grinding by the clips. That is the hardest hip hop beat ever fucking created. And at me. At me about it. Tell I mean, obviously, you know, everyone's opinion is different, so don't even at me, but tell me. How about that? Hit me and tell me what you guys' favorite hip-hop beats are. My favorite is obviously grinding. And but you guys could tell me what is your favorite. You know, you might have something that maybe I never even heard before. And it might be a crazy ass beat. So yes, thank you for indulging me with those questions and but listening to my trash ass bars. I appreciate it. And again, I appreciate all the love and support. And I look forward to answering more and more and more and more of you guys' questions. So thank you once again. Next on the docket, let's talk about sports. I got a few sports stories to talk about. Um, and All-Star Weekend is also coming up as well. But let's. I want to start with Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie Irving uh, had a press conference earlier. And it was like late February, so maybe last week. And it was about Kobe Bryant. And, you know, we love Kobe. We miss him. The Mamba, the legend, the icon, the everything. Like, just an amazing guy, amazing basketball player, amazing person, amazing dad. We could go on and on about how amazing and great Kobe Bryant was. And rest in peace again to him and his daughter, Gianna. Um, But Kyrie Irving was in a press conference and he was saying that he would like to see a change in the NBA, and he would like to see Kobe Bryant become the new NBA logo. The current NBA logo is Jerry West, a former Los Angeles Lakers player um, from back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and um, and 70s as well. And uh, current, uh, he was a GM for a lot of years with the Lakers and a consultant with the Warriors. He's and and with the Clippers as well. Like he was a former player and then became an executive. And, it's, you know, the NBA logo is, is classic, it's iconic, but Co- Kyrie brought up a really great point. Like, he said in the piece, and I'm going to play the the full snippet so you can hear him speak fully, but basically he's saying Kobe is the standard. Kobe was what the kids looked up to and said, you know, I can be like this guy. I could be, if I focus on the game and I dedicate my life to it and I do all the things and I embrace the mama mentality, I could be like Kobe in some capacity. And... You can tell how many people that he inspired, young and old, because when he tragically passed, the world stopped. You know what I'm saying? The world stopped. So I like I want I want to say that I fully support that. If that ever could happen, something that honors Kobe and if he is becomes the new NBA logo, like that would be fucking incredible. I think that would be insane. I think that would be so amazing. I think that would be 
such an honor for the kind of athlete person that he was. And um, I fully support it. I fully, fully support that. So I want to play the Kyrie Irving clips about two minutes, but he really explains it very well in why he believes that Kobe Bryant should become the new NBA logo. So this is Kyrie Irving. I think as a native black man, as a native black king, you know, I think it's part of my responsibility to continue to push our generation, our culture forward. Um, I, I know that it probably was met with some people that love it. I love the idea and some people that don't like it. But my thing is uh, paying homage to the example that has been set by that man. Um, he's 17 years old. We're drafting guys even younger now, guys that are coming out of uh, – different places and he was the standard for our generation and he will continue on and I, I want that to be something in history that is changed forever that our generation was part of that change and um, you know if that means that I have to lead that forward and get the conversation going then great but uh, you know I, I think he deserves it I think his family deserves it I think we deserve it as seeing greatness personified as Mamba and Anyone that's coming into the league should know that that's the example that was set. And I'm only saying that just speaking about Kobe. I don't want to discredit any of our other historical sure. players that have done amazing things for the league. I'm not discrediting anyone when I say that Kobe should be the logo um, because we have so many examples of guys that did things on and off the floor that were leaps and bounds um, for us to be where we are now. So um, I'm just saying present day, I think uh, it was 224. Uh, it was only a year, year after the memorial. And, um, you know, it's just a refresher that this is the guy for us. He's the guy for me. He's my mentor, more than just an inspiration. I took a lot of knowledge and wisdom from that guy. And he's always around me. And uh, Gigi's always around me. And I know that in the women's game, we want to continue to push things forward. But in our game, too, we want to set a standard and a precedent. Like, this is, this is excellence. Kobe Bryant, logo. Yes, needs to happen. I don't care what anyone says. Black Kings built the league. It's exactly what I meant. It's exactly where I stand. I couldn't have said that shit better myself. <laughs> Black Kings built the league. Facts. Straight up facts. And man, like, if the NBA does that, like, that shit would be so dope. Like, just to honor Kobe. Kobe was, man, what can, what can you say? Like, Kobe came into the league. He was 17 years old. He was a kid a kid and exposed to all the things that stardom can bring you and he was so laser focused on being great like that is what kobe is kobe was so laser hyper focused on being great he had a, a lifestyle a training regimen a, a a manner of being a manner of speaking that just exuded greatness that's what he wanted to do he wanted to be great at whatever you know he was an amazing athlete but then when he retired his career was over he wanted to be the best dad he could be he wanted to be the best husband he could be he fucking won an oscar like this guy was just he was just so incredible dog like so fucking incredible so i'm 100 with Kyrie Irvin. If that is something that the league can do, please, because I ain't going to say nothing disrespectful about Jerry West, but who the fuck cares about Jerry West? Like, seriously, you know, I I know he had a, 
a great career. He did, and he won a lot of championships, and he's done great work as an executive. But nigga, Kobe motherfucking Bryant, dog. Like, what? If you're telling me, basically, just think of it like this. If you ask people, young and old, let's say we ask a 60-year-old person, a 50-year-old person, a 40-year-old person, a 30-year-old person, a 20-year-old person, and a, a teenager, and maybe a kid who had seen Jerry West play basketball and see Kobe Bryant play basketball. And you ask them, you say, who would you rather represent the NBA in the form of a logo? I guarantee you, all those people that you poll will say motherfucking Kobe Bryant. Like, what? What? So, that's that's my opinion. I agree wholeheartedly with Kyrie Irving. I appreciate those words that he said. I really appreciate that sentiment that he offered. Because Kobe Bryant is greatness personified. And if he can be immortalized that way, man, that shit would be so fucking incredible, dog. It would be so incredible. So shout out to Kyrie Irving. Rest in peace to the Mamba. Rest in peace to Gianna. We love you. We miss you. And man, I hope to see it, man. That's all I can say. I really hope to see it. I really hope that that could happen. Next sports story that I have is some real deal Holyfield shit. Hold on. Let me get my air horns. Let me get my gunshots ready because this is some real deal Holyfield type shit. As it stands today, Saturday, March the 6th, when I am recording this podcast, the New York City Knickerbockers are currently fifth place in the Eastern Conference and entering the All-Star break above 500 the first time since the 2012 motherfucking season. Not to mention, not to mention that we have a mother fucking all-star julius motherfucking randall is a motherfucking all-star oh my god it is so much fun watching these knicks it is so much fun watching these knicks they're playing good basketball they're playing spirited basketball they're competing they're not tanking they're not throwing games they're playing well like it is so amazing to watch i can't believe when i watch the games now they're playing hard they're playing motivated tom thibodeau is doing something right the knicks are winning games like bro what what the knicks they're winning games bro do you understand what I'm saying? The New York City Knickerbockers are currently fifth in the East. If the season ended today, they would be in the motherfucking playoffs. This is an, a momentous occasion. This is something to celebrate. I'm so excited for the team. I'm so excited for the city. They even opened up the garden. They got, uh, I think they're allowing 2,000 capacity in there. And, like, you can hear the crowd, how excited they are. Their videos on Twitter after the Knicks win a game. People in the streets jumping around and happy. And, like, oh, y'all niggas is ODing, blah, blah, blah. Y'all not the Warriors. Y'all not the, y'all not the fucking, 
uh, Warriors of the past, I should say. Y'all not the Nets. Y'all not the Sixers. You know, y'all not the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Jazz, or whatever. But who fucking cares, my nigga? The Knicks are winning games, bro. The Knicks are winning games. Like, what, dog? What? I want to shout out to the whole fucking team, man. I'm going to name every single Knicks player on the roster. Shout out to Reggie Bullock, to Alec Burks, Jared Harper, Frank Nicolatina, Alfred Payton, Theo Pinson, Emmanuel Quickly, Derrick Rose. Shout out to motherfucking Derrick Rose, bro. Austin Rivers, RJ Barrett, Taj Gibson, Kevin Knox, Julius Randle, All-Star, the rookie Obi Toppin, who's also going to be in the dunk contest this week and for the All-Star, Nerlene's Noel, Mitchell Robinson, and I, I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing this name. No disrespect. Ignis Brazidakis. Shout out to you two. Shout out to Tom Thibodeau, Mike Woodson, uh, uh, Leon Rose, World Wide West. Like, the fucking Knicks are winning games, bro. And it's so great to see. I'm like, I'm a long suffering Knicks fan. Like, man, this shit is so great to see, dog. So I can only end this one way. Again, shout out to the team, to the coaches, to the organization, to the fans who finally get to see good basketball. And I can only end this one way. Every New York Knicks fan knows what I'm about to play you. And we just going to let it run. I'm not even going to say what it is. But motherfuck. God damn it. Go New York. Go New York. Go. Yes, sir. I should have intro. <laughs> I should have intro the podcast with this shit, yo. Let's go, Knicks. Hey, 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 hey. My Knicks fans out there, feel me. It's a special time right now. Uh, uh. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Let's go, Knicks. Uh, I'm letting this shit play. It's like a minute and a half long. Fuck it. Go, New York. Go, New York. Go. Go, New York. Go, New York. Go. Man. Ah, it is so great. It's like, it's just so exciting to see the Knicks play good and win games like so shout out again to the team shout out to the team man shout out to the front office finally getting shit right and let's hope that we could keep it going after the all-star break it would be so amazing to see the Knicks in the playoffs again so that's what I got man you could tell Knicks fans we've been suffering man we've been suffering for a long fucking time dog and um dog it's just so fucking amazing to see the knicks play well so shout out again to the team shout out to the team next on the docket let's talk about the all-star game so um on tomorrow sunday march the 7th um the all-star game will be the all-star weekend i should say will be condensed into one day it'll be all-star day instead of all-star weekend um basically uh uh the nba because of covid and you know lack of fans and everything will have all the events on one day so the stills competition the uh dunk contest 
the three-point shooting contest and the game will all happen on the same night. Um, so first the skills competition is first, and then it will be the three-point, then the all-star game, and then at halftime it will be the dunk contest. So uh, first and foremost, we already know the vibes. Team LeBron is going to win for the third year in a row um, because Team LeBron's – I'm going to just name you Team LeBron's roster and then Team Durant's. Team LeBron's roster includes first LeBron, then Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic. Reserves, Dame Lillard, Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, Jalen Brown, Paul George, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, and Rudy Gobert. (laughs) What? That's the fucking Monstars. Team Durant, obviously. Kevin Durant won't play because he's having a, a hamstring issue, so he won't play, but he did get to draft the team. Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, reserves, James Harden, uh, Devin Booker, uh, Zion Williamson, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, my Knicks, and uh, Nikola Vucevic and Donovan Mitchell. Team LeBron's going to win the game, I, and I'll put money up on that shit. I'm going to see what FanDuel hitting for, <laughs> because Team LeBron's going to win that game. But then the skills challenge is uh, Robert Covington, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, and Nikola Vucevic. My heart wants to say Julius Randle will win because I'm a Knicks fan, but I know that Chris Paul probably will win this because he's probably going to take it the most serious. So I got Chris Paul to win. The three-point contest, Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, Steph Curry, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum. You'd be a fool not to take Stephen Curry, even though I love D-Book, but you got to take Steph. I'm taking Steph to win. And the dunk contest will be Anthony Simons, Cassius Stanley, and Obi Toppin. And I will take my guy, Obi. But I think it's going to be a great weekend regardless. Or a great day, I should say, regardless. Because, you know, we love basketball. We love the All-Star. It's time to celebrate the players. And everyone has fun. It's all camaraderie. It's, you know, no bad blood, no malice. It's all good. It's just a good event. TNT is the best has the best basketball show ever with Inside the NBA. Shout out to Ernie, um, Kenny Smith, Shaq, and Charles Barkley. Like, they're the best. So they're going to have the best coverage. They're going to be the most entertaining. And um, it's going to be a great It's gonna be a great event. I, I, I don't doubt it. Naturally, we would love to have the fans there, and they're in Atlanta. You know, it, it would be great for the fans to be there and to have the full weekend because the, we missed out on the Rising Stars game. There won't be that, which is basically the first-year players and the second-year players who play. We won't have the celebrity game, where it's, you know, your favorite celebrity playing basketball. We won't have the performances, you know, like the big hip-hop performance and shit. But it's cool. Like, I think it's still going to be a good event, so I'm looking forward to watching it. So, again, to recap, I think that Team LeBron will win the game. I think that... Uh, the dunk contest will be won by Obi Toppin. I think that the three-point shooting contest will be won by Stephen Curry. And the skills challenge will be won by Chris Paul. So that those are my predictions. Those are my predictions. And before we get off basketball, we have to talk about one more thing related to the game. This is one thing I don't like about Twitter. Because I, I actually, I've come to really enjoy Twitter. First, I really didn't like it. But like I've come to really enjoy Twitter. But one thing I really will say I do not like about Twitter is that the younger generation that's on Twitter, like, let's say between 13, that's not even, let's say between 10, because kids is on Twitter at 10. Let's say between 10 to 20, 10 to 20, let's say 10 to 22. 
that age range, right? That 12-year age range. They think that the world didn't exist before they were born. Like, so I'm saying all to that to say, like, the younger generation just believes that the world didn't exist before they were born. And I'm saying that because there is a thing on Twitter where they're having a quote-unquote debate about who is the real mellow between young player, first-year player, LaMelo Ball of the Charlotte Hornets and Carmelo Anthony. And that is so motherfucking disrespectful. That is so disrespectful to, like, nigga, what? Carmelo Anthony is mellow. The young man who plays basketball in Charlotte, his name is LaMelo Ball. Don't get it fucked up. There's only one mellow, and that is Carmelo Anthony. The, the These young kids, man, they really get on my fucking nerves. Like, they get on my nerves. Like, I understand LaMelo, you know, is a popular guy because he can play. Like, I'm not trying to diss him. That boy could play. He can play. And, you know, his father, LeVar, is a big, you know, he's a controversial figure, a polarizing figure. LaMelo's been, you know, bouncing around from place to place playing professional and overseas before he got to the league and everything like that. He had a lot of hype around him. I understand, and he's playing well, so people become fans, and I understand that. But don't ever fix your motherfucking lips to ask who the real mellow is between LaMelo Ball and Carmelo Anthony. That is some real deal disrespectful shit, okay? Carmelo Anthony is a motherfucking 10-time All-Star, a two-time second-team All-NBA, four-time third-team All-NBA, a scoring champion, all-rookie first-teamer, NCAA champion in his first year, most outstanding player of the Final Four, consensus All-American, freshman of the year, got his number 15 retired by Syracuse, a three-time U.S. Male Athlete of the Year, a McDonald's All-American, three-time gold medalist, one-time bronze medalist. Like, nigga, are you tripping? Are you fucking tripping? Carmelo Anthony is the real mellow, so don't even try it. You young kids, man, you get off of my fucking lawn with that bullshit, okay? Carmelo Cayenne Anthony, okay, is the real mellow. And don't ever get it fucked up. Don't ever get it fucked up. Carmelo fucking Anthony is the real mellow. You young kids, you better open up a book. You better get on YouTube and watch some highlights, goddammit. Carmelo Anthony, the real mellow. Case closed. And last on the docket. I have a great story for you. Again, I've come to really, really, really love Twitter. I've come to really enjoy the app. Like, I really, at first I was like, this is kind of bullshit. But I've really come to really enjoy this app. So, I'm going to read you a story that Twitter helped fuel. This is from SB Nation, a sports uh, website, sports blog website. The headline. A rapper called wrestling fake. And now I think he's going to get his butt kicked by Randy Orton. As fans of the sport know, pro wrestlers have long taken issue with anyone using the word fake in reference to their business slash art. Soldier Boy must not be a fan. The rapper, whose 2007 single, Crank That, you've probably heard at some point, even if you're not a hip-hop fan, has decided to claim a, has decided to complain about his industry by comparing it to the WWE. And Soldier Boy, in a tweet, wrote, 
on February the 28th that the rap game is faker than the WWE. The article continues. And then there must have been some sort of bat signal that goes up when a famous person uses the dreaded F word. Because it did not take long for the troops to rally and dunk on and then threaten Soldier Boy for his transgression. No one was more upset than our guy, Randall Keith Orton, though. So Randy Orton responds to Soldier Boy's tweet and says, Fake? Dare this prick to step up. He don't like movies? Consider us actors that do stunts without pads 200 days a year and don't bitch when we get surgically repaired and come right back. Consider us a hundred times tougher than anyone you've ever come across. Ain't nothing but a bitch ass. Randy Orton is not playing. He continues. You want to talk fake? Pawn that cheap ass chain and come work for it, you one hit wonder ass motherfucker. Oh my God. Where are the gunshots? Randy Orton ain't coming to motherfucking play, okay? And I remember Randy Orton when I used to watch wrestling back in the day. The RKO, he ain't come to play. He tried to RKO Soldier Boy on Twitter. But now, Big Soldier has something to say back. Soldier Boy responds to Randy Orton's tweet and says, Do you know who the fuck I am? I'll bring the real to wrestling. Don't play with me. Randy Orton? But it doesn't end there. Randy Orton comes back with the OD response. Check this out. Randy Orton responds to Soldier Boy's tweet and says, Crank that came out in 07. You had a hell of a year. Serious money. Hats off to you, my dude. Here's the thing, though. I like rap. I bump that shit all day. Whether it's Toonchi, Meek, Jay-Z. But what, what you call... But you call what I do to survive fake? Fuck that. Come to my world and say that. I dare you. It's not over. Because you know Soldier Boy ain't done. If you mad because I spit facts, just say that. What you do is fake. And I stand on that. What I do is real. Come to your world? Shh. LOL. Welcome to Soldier's World. You! Soldier Boy tell it is not over. Randy Orton responds. You spitting facts? Seems like all you spitting is the same mess you rap about. Nut. Clear your throat, my dog, and be there. Enough talk. Back it up. Fam, this is so incredible to me. This is so fucking incredible to me. Randy Orton and Soldier Boy are having beef. I tell you, man, I love Soldier Boy. I do. Because he's like, he's so fucking funny. Like, he's so funny. And people think that he's like this dumb guy. Soldier Boy is not dumb. I tell you, Soldier Boy is not dumb. He's a very intelligent brother. And people say, oh, he does wild shit. He makes comments. He screams and yells at the camera. He had that crazy Breakfast Club interview. Like, but Soldier Boy is a really intelligent brother. Like, don't get it fucked up. Soldier Boy is extremely intelligent and he knows that wrestling is a money making business. Soldier Boy ain't got no business being in no motherfucking ring. But I guarantee you, if you see Soldier Boy on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, 
he got the bag to do it. I remember back in the day, I don't even remember what year it was, he was going to fight Chris Brown, a celebrity boxing match. I remember that. Like, And people like, oh, Soldier Boy is just a wild boy. He's on crack and all that. He's not. I guarantee you he's not. I guarantee you he's not. And he's a brilliant brother. And wrestling thrives on beef. So if he and Randy Orton get to a war words on Twitter, and then Soldier Boy, you see him end up on wrestling on Raw or SmackDown or something, or WrestleMania or something, you don't think that he got the bag bag for that? I'm just saying, like, shout out to the God, Soldier Boy. Shout out to Randy Orton for not, for, I don't know if this is real, fake, or whatever, but damn sure it was really entertaining. He said, you spit just like your game nut. That's crazy. That's crazy. But shout out to... T- <laughs> shout out to Soldier Boy and shout out to Randy motherfucking Orton. That shit was really entertaining on Twitter, dog. That was so entertaining. I had such a huge laugh, like, reading that shit. And I was like, this shit gotta be on the pod. Like, I can't not have this on the pod. This would be a disservice to the pod if I don't bring Soldier Boy and Randy Orton's Twitter back and forth to to the pod like 2021 is so crazy already it's oh we're only three months in we're only three months in we had the white riot we had the motherfucking uh um kellyanne conway leaking her daughter's nudes we had the mets guy showing his dick to a reporter we had now we got ann herbert you know fucking bankrolling her son's business we got the knicks are winning games like and now Soldier Boy and Randy Orton are fucking beefing, dog. What a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. What a time to be motherfucking alive. You Soldier Boy And finally, um, I'm not gonna discuss this really in detail. If you guys haven't heard it, just I suggest you hear it. Scary Hours 2 by Drizzy Drake. We need the album Certified Lover Boy. It got pushed. <coughs> pardon. It got pushed back to um like April or something. It was supposed to come out in January. It didn't come out. And I believe he got hurt or something. Like he tore his ACL or some shit. I don't know what happened to him. I hope he's okay. Um, but now so instead of Certified Lover Boy coming out when it's supposed to come out to quell fans because people were really upset about out upset about it. Drake put out a three-song EP called Scary Hours 2. And I'm not going to discuss it. I will not discuss it. If you haven't heard that shit, take a few minutes and listen to it. Lemon Pepper Freestyle. Oh, my God. Drake and Rick Ross is a motherfucking cheat code, dog. (laughs) Drake and Rick Ross is a cheat code, okay? Every song that Drake has ever done with Ricky Rose has been incredible. I'm going to read some of them to you. Money in the Grave, Aston Martin Music, Gold Roses, Dice Pineapples, Pop That, I'm On One, Lord Knows, <laughs> No New Friends, Stay Scheming, Nigga What? And now, I think he was on You Won't Even Know It Too. I don't know if he would, Drake was on that. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Fam. Fam. Okay, when Drake and Rick Ross touch the same studio, it is certified banger. So this is definitely going to hold us to certified lover boy. And I can't wait for it to come out. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Drake. I really like his music. But 
listen to Scary Hours 2. And I'm not going to play no songs from it. I'm not going to discuss it further. I just want you guys to listen to it. I just want you guys to hear that shit. Just listen to it. You're going to see what kind of bag that Drake is in, okay? And the fucking, I never even talked about the B.B. King freestyle with Drake and Lil Wayne. Drake is out here. I think, you know what? I think Drake is trying to prove that he's a real rapper. And of course, you know, people always say like, oh, he's not a real rapper. He's a pop star. He likes that singing shit and he does the reggae shit. But he's not a real rapper. He ain't a real a penman. Drake got bars. He got bars. He has got bars. So I'm so excited for Certified Lover Boy and Scary Hours too, bro. What a what a little appetizer before the entree. So I'm not gonna discuss it no more. I'm not gonna discuss no none of the songs. Just listen to it. That's all I got for you on that. Just listen to that shit. <laughs> These nigga, yeah, Drake. <laughs> Drake. And that guys will wrap it up episode number 51 of this little thing that we call the bronx bias podcast is in the books i'm your host once again my name is den zell thank you to everyone who tunes in who likes subscribes shares and supports thank you to all the people who are active and engaging with me on social media i truly truly appreciate all your love and support Thank you to all the essential workers out there. And thank you to all the people out here who are continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way. A great show today. Fun show. I was really excited about it. I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun with today's show. Shout out to the New York Knicks again. Fifth place in the motherfucking E. Shout out to Julius Randle for making the all-star team. Have a great weekend out there. Have a great week. Listen to that Scary Hours 2 shit. Hit me and let me know what you think about it. And I will see you guys next week. And I'm going to fade you out with a great, great song today. This is one of my favorite songs ever. Okay? Just like the grinding beat is my favorite hip-hop beat ever. This is one of my favorite songs ever. And this is a, a song that you probably wouldn't guess from me, my hip-hop ass. I listen to this song when I cook, when I clean up, when I take a shower, when I go to the gym, when I go for a walk. Like, I love this song. This song is called One Thing by A. Marie off of the album Touch. This is really one of my favorite, favorite songs ever. I love this song so much. And we had such an upbeat podcast today. I wanted to end it with an upbeat ass song. So, again, the song is called One Thing by A. Marie. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast episode 51 i will see you guys next week and we are out